anybody could pick up a sourdough starter and start making their own bread in your kitchen. You don't have to live on a farm. You could be in a city apartment. It was just something that people could get back to, could put their hands on and could slow down and just enjoy in, in that moment. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. Welcome back. We just adore our next guest, Hadley Birch, who was a regular contributor for Trailblazer magazine. Has she been in written for every issue? She's 13 Hadley, issues in? Yes, 13 issues in. And every article she writes is so appealing and it pulls you in. And like I do the editing for these, so I get to read them before they hit the world. And She's just such a wonderful, warm, expressive writer. Immersive, and, yeah. Yeah, and she's that way in person. And we just had... They're totally charming. Uh, oh, my gosh. We just finished the interview, and I'm just... I have a smile on my face. I know. I, I would just... say it was delightful. <laughs> it was delightful. <laughs> Hadley, you're delightful. <laughs> so Hadley's regular segment in Trailblazer is called My Homesteading Life. And so she talks about everything. And one of the things that is intriguing to us is how much her life is in line with the seasons. And uh, she's so connected to the land through her animals and their day-to-day -day life. And we just wanted to dig in further and to help paint the picture too for our listeners of what a homesteading life looks like. And because we know the term homesteading has really taken off. It's blown up. <laughs> it's, blown up. it's a movement yeah. out there. And so to be able to personalize that and listen to how somebody thinks as the seasons come and go and how they approach them and the different things they do and that it didn't happen overnight. Chickens were, as Hadley said, the gateway. Then they have pigs and it's just a progression and it's not a rushed life. It's a busy life, but it's, you know, hands on the land is what it is. Yes, and embracing the back to basics. So here's a little bit about Hadley and then we'll jump right in. So Hadley Birch is the face behind the lens at a little wild farm. Her little funny farm is home to a menagerie of animals, including miniature donkeys, alpacas, pot belly pigs, goats, chickens, and honeybees. In her spare time, Birch enjoys knitting with yarn spun from her alpaca fiber, sewing, creating, and baking. And in the summer months, you'll find her outside in the veggie garden or tending to her greenhouse. A love for all things wild and inspired by Mother Nature, she is working towards a more sustainable way of living on her farm. So, so here it is. Click the button. Keep, <laughs> let's keep going here. Enjoy. Hadley Birch, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. We're so excited to talk to you, and I feel like we... we We've never met in person, but we know you through all your contributions to Trailblazer magazine. So 
We're and excited to chat lot. with you. Yeah, it is it's a lot. It's a lot of contributions. <laughs> so welcome to the 13 podcast. 13 contributions <laughs> so far. Yes. Well, thank you very much for having me. We're so excited to just dive in a little bit too. And I just want to say that Hadley was also on our cover of 2022, three winter, like last winter. We've changed the numbering on our magazine. I so I, I'm all. Uh, winter 2023, because yeah. yeah. we had a 2023 B. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. And actually, it's funny, Hadley, because we recorded an episode yesterday and we were talking about how we choose our covers. And the cover with you on it was the first cover that we've had a woman smiling because it's usually that stoic look. But we just loved your photos so much that that was fun. That was we such had a good cover. to go with it. Yeah. yeah, totally. So before we dive in, can you tell our listeners who are you a little bit about you, where you live and just give us a, a, a picture of what your day to day life looks like? Sure. So I'm Hadley Birch. Um, you can find me uh, behind a little wild farm. So my husband, my daughter, and I, we live on 160 acres. We are just outside of the town of Drayton Valley in Alberta here. And we kind of have a bit of a funny farm going. So we kind of started a collection of animals. My husband will tell you that I'm trying to build an ark. <laughs> so we are home to a couple of mini donkeys, alpacas. We have goats, potbelly pigs and chickens for laying hens. And then we also have our honeybees that we look after over the summer months. I am a stay-at-home mom. My daughter is turning four here next month. So I've just had the privilege of being able to stay home and raising her and really just living the farm life here with them. And then I'm very fortunate as well. My husband has taken a position where he works from home. So we really get to dive into the farm life and, and get lots done together here on the farm. That's kind of one of our rules is if we're doing something, then we're doing it together here on the farm. Oh, that's amazing. How, how long has he been working from home now? He'll be going on about a year and a half. So it was about six months after my daughter was born that he was able to take that position and something he was really working forward to. He wanted to be home and be involved with her. So we're very thankful that he's able to do that with us. That would be um, like life-changing for your family. I totally. can't imagine. That would be amazing. It was a bit of an adjustment. He worked in the oil field, so I was used to him being gone. And then all of a sudden, he was home in my space. So it took some learning, but we're there now. We're good now. Yeah. <laughs> Happy place now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of women can relate to that. <laughs> it has its adjustments. Now. Retiring or retirement couples would probably tell you the same thing, yeah. too, how to get used to the person being around all the time. Absolutely. That's when you need your hobbies and your things to do. <laughs> totally. So your segment in Trailblazer Magazine is called My Homesteading Life. And it's really evolved. And I just want to say on the record, we're so always so honored that you continue to contribute to the magazine between your photos and your writing. And I think your writing style has captured our readers yeah. to paint this picture. You can just put so much emotion and like the way you describe the tiny little details, like it's very poetic. It's, it's very poetic. Yeah, yeah. It just has a beautiful flow to it, a beautiful choice of words. It just really takes you like when I read your articles, I edit your articles too. You know, I get first look at it before anyone else does. 
And I can almost imagine when you're saying you're walking down the path to the greenhouse or whatnot, like the way you write it, I feel like I'm doing it with you. I'm just kind of, you know, buzzing over your shoulder. Scene, it's immersive. Scene, very yeah. much so. Have you always been a good writer like that? Or has that been a skill that you've developed? I like to think so. But I will say that writing has always been a passion, I'll say. Okay. Ever since like high school, I was always in English classes. I wrote for the school newspaper. I kind of got started here on my own. So a lot of my family is actually back in Ontario. I moved out here about 10 years ago to Alberta. So to kind of keep everyone involved and up to date, I started a blog when we kind of started our farm here. So monthly, I would write just a little update, what was going on on in the farm, what was going on in life. And that's how I got started online with writing. I've also, over the past few years, just to try and get back to me and, and what lights my flame, have been taking some online courses. So through the University of Toronto, I have had the opportunity to do a couple of writing courses that way. It just gets me back, back into writing, keeps me writing, and it's just something I'm definitely passionate about. And fills your yeah. cup. Yeah. yeah, it shows. It really shows. Do you ever feel stuck in your life or like you're not completely aligned with your unique strengths and talents? Or maybe you want to do more and be more, but you just don't know how. We want to change that for you. We're going to help you explore the parts of you that are gutsy and resilient, the parts of you that have been shaped by your life experiences, the parts of you that want to live your life on purpose. Take the Discover Your Trailblazer Traits quiz today. It only takes three minutes. This quiz will show you how your unique combination of traits has helped to define how you see the world and your place in it. And here's the truth. We all have these traits, but we have them in greater or lesser degrees, which makes us all different. When you are certain about your unique value, then you can really shape the path you walk in your life. Take the Discover Your Traits quiz today and we'll help you forge a path that feels like coming home. Visit our website, www.trailblazerco.com forward slash traits dash quiz. That's T-R-A-I-T-S dash Q-U-I-Z. Or find us over on Instagram at trailblazerco and DM us the word traits quiz all together. You know, it's interesting. We chatted very quickly before we pushed the start button here, but we were talking about homesteading. And so the column that you write for us regularly is called My Homesteading Life, as Aaron mentioned. And homesteading is just a really big buzzword now. Somebody could say, oh, it's a trend. It's a movement. Could you describe how that fits in your mind? Like, how And what you, homesteading is to yeah, you? How would you define it? How do you it? view that? And how do you think you're living it out? I think homesteading can be such a, it's an old term and I think it is making a comeback and coming back. So when, if I think of it in the old terms, then sometimes I'm like, oh, am I really a homesteader? But I, I think it's in your day-to-day -day life and what you're doing and what that means to you. And so for us, it's, you know, living this slower life and having this slowdown. It's trying to be more sustainable in a world where prices are starting to skyrocket and things are sometimes a little uncertain. And we can kind of feel a little bit of a safety net here by providing for ourselves. We have a garden. We do butcher animals in the summer and we do lots of canning. So we're providing that way. I think it's about the skills you're learning. I think we grew up in a generation where maybe we got away from some of those skills 
And now there is this big movement to get back to that. And it's something that I want to learn more of and to perfect more so that I can teach that to my daughter. And maybe she's passionate about it. And then we can continue it going on. And it's not something that's that's going to die out. I love that. I, I completely agree. And as you were describing it, you know, it is kind of funny because you think of generations because it is of the past, right? And there was no name for it. That was just life. Like yeah. That was just yeah. how they sustained themselves and preserved food. And a pro- it was a, a mindset and a lifestyle. And now we've got a name for it. So what do you think is the intrigue or why are people drawn to this way of life currently? Because like over the past two, three years, especially since COVID, like there's been a return to the basics. And mm-hmm. what do you think has has caused that? I think our eyes were really opened during COVID. And not to bring that up, because for me, it was it was a, a weird time. And I'm sure it was for a lot of people. But I think it just opened our eyes that maybe we need to do more on our own and, and not be relying on big pharma or on the grocery stores or on those things that may not always be there to provide for us. And so I think I know one thing that got really popular was sourdough. Well, anybody could pick up a sourdough starter and start making their own bread in your kitchen. You don't have to live on a farm. You could be in a city apartment. It was just something that people could get back to, could put their hands on and could slow down and just enjoy in in that moment. So I think it's just about taking back what could be ours and just knowing that that we can provide and we have that security. Yes. Yeah. I totally Uh, agree. I'm totally on board with that. And I think too, it's just realizing, you know, whether you live in the city or whether you live in the country, there's just tiny ways or habits or new skills that you can start to incorporate into your life. Because I think, you know, it's so easy to look at Instagram and we see like the perfect feeds of what looks like a fantasy life. And we know the reality isn't that. There, there's tons of challenges to a rural lifestyle. And it's a lot of work. A lot of people don't realize how much work it is. But what would you say if someone's looking at your life or homesteading online and they're feeling intimidated? What would you say to them as like an, an easy start or a gentle way to start welcoming some of those practices into their life? I think the biggest thing is it takes time. You don't just snap your fingers and get to have the lifestyle. It is a commitment and it it does take time and you have to start somewhere and, and work your way up. So my husband will always laugh that chickens were our gateway drug, if we can say that. It kind of grew from there. So all of a sudden we had chickens and we were getting our own eggs and that was opening a whole new door. And Within a couple of years, we decided, well, let's try pigs. We have space. Let's do some butcher pigs. And we were providing for our friends and family. We started doing our garden. When we figured out, okay, we can grow our own food. We can do this. We decided to um, build a greenhouse so we could prolong our season a little bit. But it didn't all come in the first year or the second year. We've been living here on this property for going on nine to ten years now. So it just takes time and it's doing things that you like. You're not going to like everything you try or everything you try isn't going to work out for you. But it, it's all about having having the curiosity or the want to, to give it a try and, and see what does work for you and what doesn't. Okay. I just love that. And I know 
because so much of your work is related to the outdoors, to the cycles of nature, you're going to move through the seasons like a farmer would or something, you know, there's babies being born and then the har you know, the planting, the growing, the harvesting, the, the dormant period. So how would you explain how you view your life? Like we're in January of 2024 and, you know, there's three seasons ahead of you for this year. How do you look at that and like, do you start preparing mentally for it? Do you have a book where you start planning your garden or what are some of the, can you walk us through the seasonal ways that you view it? Because we're kind of imagining that it's <clears throat> it's just like your first nature, right? Like it's that cyclical connection to the land and the seasons, but does it feel like that for you? <laughs> yeah. So January is definitely probably the slowest month for us on the farm. I th think we just went through this big cold snap. So that's always hard on the animals and you're always thinking about them. You're you're out there checking on them. You're making sure they have bedding and water. Everybody's warm enough. You're doing what you can to get everybody through that. We've kind of just got through the hustle and bustle of Christmas. So January starts to kind of feel very long and drawn out. And where we live, it's very cold. In January, I like to, yeah, definitely start thinking about the garden. So we've, we've put in a seed order for this coming year. We've sat down. So I do keep a little book every year of what we grew and kind of when we start seeds and what worked, what didn't work. So we go through and see, okay, what are we doing this year? We get all our seeds organized and ordered. Probably into next month, I'll be bringing in my seed trays and getting everything washed. And there's a few things already that we can start in the house, tomatoes and peppers and things like that. We kind of get an early start on. So we put up a little mini greenhouse at the back door and we get to start growing things already. And then definitely getting into spring is when things start picking up here. We get into mud season. Everything is yucky, but it's time to clean everything up from winter. So you're taking all bedding out. You're getting everybody freshened up for a new season. You're deworming. You're doing all your treatments. And then with us having the bees, that's kind of an exciting time. We've waited all winter not knowing what's going on in our hives. So spring becomes very important to get into the hives and start checking on our bees and who made it through the season. Now, is the cold snap we just had, is that going to have an effect, do you think, on survival? There's back and forth. We're on a few beekeeping pages and, and different chatter groups, and we've been watching. And because we've been having such a mild winter, it's kind of back and forth of whether the bees have been more active are they using up more of their storages than they normally would if it was cold? And then, yes, to have that drop in temperature. If you have a healthy hive, the cold snaps, they should be okay. What they do is kind of cluster around the queen. They actually keep the hive quite warm inside as long as you have the population and everything for it. So as long as they have the storages and the population, we're hoping that they make it through to spring. That's a whole fascinating topic. Maybe we'll have <laughs> you know. back and we can just talk about bees. There's so much that we don't know as just average people, and it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. We always say we think we know about the bees, and as we're learning, and just as you think you haven't figured it out, you don't. You're always constantly learning. <laughs> yeah. Mother Nature's always two steps ahead. <laughs> yeah. And I would, yeah. I would really like to see what a queen bee looks like and how big she is and 
the behavior of the other bees, I find that really fascinating as well. Yeah. So when do you check the hives? Is that in February or March? So we want to have temperatures that are above 10 degrees Celsius for more than a couple weeks at a time. So sometimes we're more into spring, but as the days warm up, you start to see a little more activity outside of the hive and you kind of have an idea of if the hive made it or not at that point. Do you know how many, roughly how many times you've been stung? I actually am not so bad. (laughs) My husband gets in there more than I do. So he's in like the hundreds. I'll say I'm in like the twenties maybe. So did you grow up rural or did you grow up in a small town or city? So I grew up in a small town. Um, It was definitely a farming community. So we lived right on the edge of town. Our field or our backyard actually backed onto a cattle field. And I can remember growing up, there was this donkey in the field and he was known throughout town because it didn't matter where you were in town at night. If he brayed, you could hear him all across town. And he just became known as Davy the donkey. Like we shared the highway with tractors. There was a large Mennonite population right around my area. So they were driving their horse and buggies down the highways. And my dad worked for a local farmer. So it was it was something I was immersed in, but I didn't personally grow up in. So the life now isn't a far stretch from how you grew up, right? No, no. I, I actually went to school to be a registered veterinary technician. So I, I always had a passion for animals, especially large animal. And going through high school and college, I worked at the dairy farm. I worked at pig barns. I was trying to get that experience under my belt. So when I came to the farm here, I did have an idea about livestock. And we're always learning, but I think it gave me a little bit of a a head start. So we kind of sidetracked you by asking you about the bees and everything, Mm -hmm. but I really would love for you to continue walking us through your seasonal obligations, duties, preparation, and all the rest of that. Yeah. So in spring, we're continuing. Just because of our growing season, we do start quite a bit of stuff for our vegetable garden early. So we're starting things in the house. And then when the temperatures allow, we're moving it out to our greenhouse to continue growing. We're tilling up the the soil and getting everything ready that way. And then as we get kind of into the beginning of summer, we're getting all those things into the ground, doing our planting. At that point, the animal care kind of gets a little easier. Everybody's out on pasture or out on field. So it's more of just kind of the daily checks to make sure everybody's okay, but they're kind of self-sufficient out there. We're not having to feed every day and things like that. So it's kind of just the upkeep with them at that point. Summer kind of has a bit of a a lull, we'll call it, I guess. I mean, you're constantly in the garden weeding or we're always out checking the bees every couple of weeks. But those are the days where we get our little inflatable pool out in the backyard or we're hanging out in the hammock and enjoying that time together as well. And then I guess as we get kind of closer to the end of summer and fall, we're harvesting things out of the garden. Our kitchen is in overdrive with canning and preserving We're doing fall treatments on our hives for the honeybees and making sure they're set to go for the season. We're kind of cleaning out the gardens. And then we get back to the animals of, are they bedded down? Do they have the proper food? Do we have hay for the season? And getting all that put together as everything starts to get cold again. Right. Wow. 
Wow. Ah, there's nothing like the nostalgic smell and feel of turning the pages of a real print publication, collecting and cherishing the stories and wisdom within its pages to draw upon time and time again. Hey, we're Jan and Erin, creators and founders of Trailblazer Magazine, and we're all about helping you carve out time for yourself. We encourage getting lost in the world of breathtaking photos and immersive storytelling. Trailblazer Magazine is the perfect companion for those wanting to grow the trailblazer within. By exploring the stories, wisdom, and know-how of modern rural women, you'll feel inspired, empowered, and connected to the spirit of life beyond the city limits. Visit www.trailblazerco.com to shop all issues. You're definitely wanting to collect them all. So summer is where you get just that little bit of enjoyment. Um, enjoyment. To, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Swinging in the swing on the sunny I mean, days. Yeah. yeah, we all know that summer feeling. <laughs> and so, like, what is a typical day like now? I know probably in the summer when the light is there, you're probably up early. But nowadays, it's just kind of like keeping the fire stoked and the animals fed and watered. And are you expecting any farm babies? this year we don't have anything that has babies my husband gets mad at me actually most of our farm animals are boys and most of them have been fixed so there are no babies so he always laughs at me that we're kind of this dead-end farm of things we keep collecting we're actually hoping here in the next year or two we've been saving up for a barn is our kind of our next to-do project and i'm being told that when that happens then maybe I'll get some farm babies going. Can you describe like how being connected to land in the way that you do in the seasons, and it might be hard to have that objectivity because it's your life, but how does that contribute to your overall fulfillment of life? Because just hearing you talk about it, there's such an intentionality and you're caring for animals and you're just in tune and with the cycles and someone living in the city just might not know what that what that feels like how would you describe that for you and how that brings you fulfillment we're very outdoors and so I think as we go through the seasons there's something to be offered through each season that kind of connects you to the earth and and to bringing it kind of back to nature in the wintertime, it's it's hard. Everything's covered in snow, but when when we can, we're we're outside, we're playing, we're snowshoeing. During the really cold, we took advantage and did some fun little crafts or things with snow that we can only do when it's minus forty here. But the days are darker, and you don't have that same daylight. So there's a lot of times where we're hunkered down in in the house as well. In the summertime. We, we're raising these animals. We raise meat chickens and butcher pigs. And, and I know it's not for everyone, and I had a really hard time with it at the beginning, but I've learned through doing that that there is a connection to the food you're eating. The first couple times we did it, I it was very upsetting to me. I didn't grow up with that. And as the years have gone by, you get to understand that these animals are here they're living the best life that they can live while they're here. Our pigs are on about an acre of land that's swampy, bushy, has a little bit of field to it. So they're in what, if you could call it pig heaven, they're living the best life they can. And then at the end, it, it is sad. It's, it, I don't love it. 
But then we get that meat back and that meat goes into our freezer. And for the next year, I know that we have food and that we're eating. I know the animal that it came from. I know that they were cared for and loved. And it's just, it's, it's a feel-good feeling to know that you've done your part that way. I did grow up working in farrowing barns in the pork industry and, and not taking away from anything that they do. That's a lifestyle. And I think because I saw that part of the industry, I just knew how I wanted to do it one day if I had the opportunity. And so I just think that we're very lucky to have this land to do a few pigs and, and to provide for our family and friends that way. I'm so glad that you're touching on this because I think sometimes people don't understand. And so it's so easy to have stereotypical views on things or animal treatment or whatnot. And just from somebody who's raising them, like yourself, the care and attention and all the good stuff that you put in into their lives, I think it's important for people to hear. Yeah, I think another part of that is my husband is a hunter um, and I have gone out a few times with him as well. And the land will always provide for us as long as you're providing back for the land. And for us, it's not necessarily about going out and, and getting to shoot a big deer. It's it's about the part I like the most is we go out and we sit in the tree stand and you get to watch the world wake up. And you get to hear the forest behind you coming alive. And you don't realize how noisy snow falling is when you're sitting in the silence of the woods. And it's just getting that connection. I didn't know that deer made sounds. I came from town. I hadn't been near a deer. And the first time one stomped and snorted, it was like, oh, my goodness, is like, is should we be concerned? I didn't know that they made sounds like that. So we have a doe that comes back every year with triplets. And getting to watch them frolic around on the cut lines, that's my enjoyment. And that's how I feel connected to nature when we're out doing those things. Wow. That's wonderful. And and Wallace, so she's four? Yes. Yeah, she'll be four here coming in February. So how do you see her experience this life? Because that must just be magical for her. Yeah, we always laugh that she's growing up in a fairy tale. And I didn't grow up on a farm. My husband grew up more on, on kind of a farm setting, but I always loved it. So I just hope that she loves it too. I don't think she knows any different at this point. She is out there with us every day uh, doing chores. She wants to be right in there carrying the buckets. She hand feeds the animals. She has no fear, which I'm not sure is a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> she's right in there with us. And in the summertime, it is hard to get her inside. She is outside. We're exploring and we're playing and she loves her sandbox. And she just, even from the beginning when she was little, we'd be outside in the garden and she'd be in, in the shade. And that was when she had her best naps, would be lying outside in the shade. So I, I feel so thankful that we're able to give her this lifestyle. And I do hope that she she loves it and it's something maybe she wants to continue with or maybe she even just takes skills and knowledge and and discipline away from from living this life and having those responsibilities totally like that's yeah. life skills really like that's life mm -hmm. skills mm -hmm. that's what that is yeah so Hallie, i'm really curious do you make all your meals from scratch because i would just imagine that you cook a lot <laughs> 
Do you ever eat KD? Yeah. Or Ichiban? <laughs> Actually, we like Annie's in our house. <laughs> but I think there has to be a balance. We love cooking and we, we're very fortunate. We, we have our own meat. We save what we can from our garden. So we have those things available to us. But sometimes you just need to pop a pizza in the oven because your day has been crazy and there's not much else to be done. You don't have the energy for it at the end of the day. So I don't want to pretend that, you know, I have a cookbook in my cupboard that I'm making my meals from every single night because that would be lying. It would be lovely. (laughs) We do try to do to do as much as we as we can when when we're able to. Thank you for your honesty. No one needs to be a martyr, right? Like our all of our lives are so complicated and we're all just doing our best as it is. So we don't need this added well, pressure. And, and I know in our household, I started a little thing with Luca. I picked him up one time from day home and Aaron wasn't there. And I said to him, let's do a date night. And date night, we, we went to A&W. And so a lot of times on Friday night now, we all go for a date night to A&W or McDonald's. but Sometimes you just need to feed another part of yourself and uh, take it easy and not have dishes, not have cleanup, not have all the things, and especially Friday night. So I'm really glad. Do, do you uh, dip into the fast food places when you're in town at all? Oh, we absolutely do. Same thing with you. Actually, my daughter goes to daycare on Fridays. And so when we pick her up, our Friday night thing is to get takeout or to go into a restaurant somewhere. And and it's a fun time for her too. It's something different. We're out of the house. And yeah, you just you just need that sometimes. Yeah. You really <laughs> yeah, do. Totally. <laughs> yeah. We are not Puritans here. <laughs> no, no. What would be one aspect for someone on the outside looking in? What is the most challenging part of your lifestyle or with homesteading that we might not think of? Because there's it's not all beautiful and glamour and like this this perfect life what what are the hard parts about it yeah I think that it definitely has its difficulties it's it's time consuming you have to be able to commit to that and and when you have animals that's when it becomes one of your main priorities because you are the caregiver to those and they are out there in your care so I mean we don't get to travel a whole lot. And, and when we do, you're having to find somebody who's willing to come out to the farm, who's willing to stay here, doesn't matter what the weather's going to be, to watch those animals for you. And one of the very first lessons I learned when we started getting animals was when you have livestock, unfortunately, you're going to have dead stock. And I've had some huge lessons in losing animals. And because our animals are mostly pets to us, those losses seem to hit home a little more for me. There's a heartbreaking aspect to it as well because you get connected to these creatures and you're spending your days tending to them and then they they die and you it's like losing a piece of the farm and a piece of your heart with them too. That's always hard and then finding finding balance so that we're not spending all of the time doing all of the farm things we get to focus on maybe Wallace and what she's wanting to do for an afternoon or getting out once in a while and and trying to have some fun outside of just our farm work and our chores and things like that. Yeah, I I would second that one for sure. I think we forget, even in the summertime, 
I mean, in the winter, the workload is is smaller, but in the summertime, it's so easy to forget to stop and have fun. Because when you're living on on a ranch or an acreage or a homestead, there's always something to be done. And when you're, we're home, that's what we think of, like yeah. what's next. And yeah. all of a sudden, like a whole month can go by and you're like, oh my God, like we, we're in the months of summer, we need to stop and savor them. And yeah, yeah I, I totally agree with that too. As well as it's good to get off of the farm. <laughs> like all of us are homebodies. And I think especially probably more Jean and I than you even. I think you're more adventurous than uh, I'm a total homebody. I love being home. Like we go into the city and it's like we get to like the the corner of the city that of leaving the city is like we're in our part of the world again. But I'm a total homebody. But yet I know it is so good to get away and just get a break from the types of responsibilities that are here. Yeah. And like you said, finding someone responsible who you can trust to take care of your animals and your house. That's a whole other challenge, oh. too. And one that we face all the time, too. Yeah. And I wish I could say we found our person to to be that go to. But we've gone through many people that just didn't work out. So, yeah, I, I really get that. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, Hadley, what do you do for you? What are, is it hobbies? Is it reading? Is it in town Writing. at a coffee shop for an hour? Mm -hmm. What do you do to take care of you and, and kind of maybe need to for quiet or whatever the need is? What, what, what does that look like? I think it's so important to have those times and to fill your cup. And I've learned that so much, especially since becoming a mother, when your child becomes your whole life. And so we, we decided to put my daughter in daycare one day a week so that we could have one day, whether that was to get things done around the house or just to have a down day. And she also then gets to go into town and she gets to play with kids all day and she's getting kind of that social interaction. I would say if I'm not doing chores around the house that day, you'll probably find me, especially in the winter, curled up in my chair beside the wood stove reading. I love reading. It's something that I try to carve out a little bit of time for each day, whether that's a couple pages or I get lucky and get to read a couple chapters. That's something that's important to me. I enjoy knitting and sewing. I'm working on a blanket currently for our baby that's on the way. And I will have a little quilt on the go here soon too. I think just creating and doing things like that. If I'm looking to get out of the house and I need a little break, I like to go into the city and go thrifting or go to the thrift shops. There's always lots of little treasures and things to be found there. So I think that's how I, I fill my cup. Oh, that's wonderful. I love all those ways. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and a really good, I mean, just making the decision one day a week for her to, it's a benefit to you. It's a benefit to her. I just think that's great. And I love hearing that. Was that hard to let go? My daughter's very busy and I love her to death and I love that about her. But it, it was, it, she's not the kind of kid where I could sit down and knit on the couch while she kept herself occupied. That just wasn't a thing. And so when we made the decision, uh, the first day we took her in 
And she didn't even blink an eye. It was, bye, mom, see ya. There's kids here. I'm good to go. And then I came out to the truck and cried the whole way home. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. 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 But she's, she's very social. So she, she thrives on that. And because we live out on the farm, we don't unfortunately have neighbors with small kids that we hop across and see, or we do have friends out when we can. And, and that's always fun. Wallace loves showing them around the farm and playing outside, but it was just also good for her to be able to make some connections and, and have some playtime with some kids too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So we were kind of waiting for you to spill the beans about, uh, shall we say the little bun in the oven? <laughs> yes. So when are you due, Hadley? When's this next little one coming along? We're due in mid-June with, with our next one. Okay. So it'll be right in the middle or gearing up for the busyness of summer. Of summer. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So we've we've been talking and having conversations that this year might look a little different for us. And I want to slow down and enjoy those first moments in time. So maybe the garden doesn't get weeded or maybe we don't plant as much this year or, you know, well, there's definitely going to be things we take into account as we go into this new season as well. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was going to ask you that because yeah, maybe the garden is three quarters of what it usually <laughs> is. So uh, you can be laying out in the shade napping with baby too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, we'll be in the hammock. <laughs> do you yeah. do you find the remoteness difficult? I mean, so you don't have your side of the family near you. I, I would imagine your friendships, your social connections are important, but do you ever find that challenging living remote in the way that you do? I do. I'd be lying if I I said I didn't. I think especially coming out of COVID was such an isolating time. And, and living out on the farm, I mean, we are homebodies too. So not a lot changed, but not having the option of being able to see friends and family really changed everything for us here and kind of coming out of that. I think the winter is hard too. You know, you kind of get the winter blues and you're stuck in the house or maybe you can't drive as far. It can definitely feel isolating. We're lucky we're, we're about 15 minutes from town. So we're still accessible as we forget something or need something at the grocery store or, or something. We're not too, too far to be able to get to town, but it, it, it is hard. Most of our friends are in town or in different cities. My best friend actually moved a year and a half ago down towards Calgary. So that was a huge part of me. And we try to get to see her as much as possible, but it's not the same when she's not just up the road or, or things like that. And yeah, definitely my family being in Ontario is hard and we FaceTime and we do the things that we can. Thank goodness for technology for those reasons. But it's it's not the same and it definitely can can feel hard on on days and feel like you're we were kind of alone out here. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any ways that you build community or you're a part of community or groups or organizations? I know probably there's some online that you are is there anything close by that you however regular regular is that you get together with with other women so this year actually i decided to join a book club in town we meet once a month we go to different restaurants in town and have dinner we pick a book every month that we discuss and that's kind of another thing that that i've done for me it's so much fun because it's such a diverse group of women, like different ages, different jobs, different lifestyles. And it's so fun to get together 
and read one book and hear everybody's opinions on just that same book. I think as Wallace gets older, we've been able to join a couple different like mom groups or play groups. We're very lucky that there's one just up the highway from us at our local hall that we go to every week. So we've met some moms and some kids through those groups that have become friends of ours that we now can do birthday parties or get togethers with. And that gets us out of the house a little more too. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because Jess Mose, who also writes for the magazine, we did a podcast interview with her and she talked about uh, that sense of community that was passed down from her great-grandmother to her grandmother to her mother and, and to her and that there's women that she gets together with regularly. And I think um, we can let life get so busy that we forget that we need that nurturing kind of support that only women we have something in common with, whatever that is, can can give us. So it's, it's cool that you've got all these different avenues. So what's the book of the month this month? We're reading one called Pretty Girls by Karen Slaughter. And it's kind of a thriller crime kind of novel, I think. Okay. <laughs> You're probably reading books that you like, never would have picked up from the shelf. Like, is it all trials? When I first joined, one of the very first book in the month was a fantasy book. And I was like, I don't read fantasy. Like, okay. And now I can't stop. I have been reading fantasy books nonstop since. And so it's just so funny to be introduced to something new and then fall in love with it. Are you close with your with your parents, like your mom? I'm just imagining how they they must feel so proud to see the life and the family that you're building. Yeah, I would if I was to say someone was my best friend, I would say that my mom is my best friend. And that makes it, I think, that much harder being this far away. I think our relationship has grown a lot over the years and whether that's me growing up and kind of coming into the family life or the distance. I was not a very nice teenager. I was a hormonal girl. I had my awful moments and I, for whatever reason, I just, I couldn't wait to get away from this small town and this, this community I had grown up in. And to be honest now, I would give anything to be able to go back to that and have that again. So my, my parents have always been very supportive of me. They come out to visit as much as they can. My mom is actually the first one I send any of my articles to to proofread before I send them in. <laughs> They've always been in my corner cheering me on with anything I've done. Aww. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, mother-daughter relationships, um, they're so multifaceted, multidimensional, multigenerational, obviously, but that's great to hear. That's great to hear. And you have that relatability now because you're a mom. And like Erin and I, I will relay things that I did when she was a child in relation to how could that be handled with Luca or, you mm -hmm. know, or eating tricks or whatever. I mean, anything's yeah. on the table yeah. when that when that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is my first phone call when I have a question or a concern or something going on that I need an answer to. Yeah. Do you think Wallace will be your payback? I We always laugh about that. I said, Wallace is going to end up wanting to go to like the University of Guelph. She's going to move back to Ontario and she's going to leave me out here. <laughs> <laughs> and all the attitude. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Hadley, I just, we're so glad to have you on. And 
I think just having this little peek into your life is Mm going to be so fascinating for our listeners. And of course, as such a nice continuation from your regular articles in Trailblazer. But where can everyone find you on Instagram? What's your handle and your website and all the good stuff? Hi. So we are at at a little wild farm on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. And then we do have a website, www.alittlewildfarm.com. That's mostly where I have lots of my blog stuff, but we've also saved some of our recipes and how-tos. And there's also a link to a little shop that we have for our yarn and honey seasonally. So, Oh, amazing. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. We're so honored to chat with you today, and it was so fun. It went by so fast. It completely did. Yeah. And I, I'm glad I get to know some some inner things about about your life, too, like not your version of date night and all those other things <laughs> yeah. that we're not just out of out of our minds over here. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Appreciate chatting today. That's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> you did it. You just finished another episode of the Trailblazer podcast. We love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women. Head over to our website www.trailblazerco.com for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See See you you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.